Mic one, mic one, isn't this a lot of fun? Let's go. Did you, America? Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Camfield. This is season two, episode... Uh, counting is for losers. <laughs> uh, if you do want to count, if you ever want to uh, hear any of our previous ramblings, they are all available. If you go to the website, didyouamerica.com, that's also where you can uh, contact us. If you want to be on the show, leave us a voice message. If you want to write to the show, you can do that uh, there as well. And uh, also get one of our T-shirts, which are emblazoned in the uh, American flag colors uh, with a tag inside that says Camfield F. Yeah. How lovely are the T-shirts, Jeremy? Oh, they feel so good on your nipples. Didyouamerica.com for all that stuff. All right. So there is a a, a big story that has been uh, playing in my mind for the last couple of days. I am shocked I can't get over it since I discovered all of the details. Um, and uh, as soon as Jeremy came to the apartment where we record the podcast today, I said, we have to talk about this. It is shocking. Yeah. The price of vinyl in used record stores is on average $30 per bit of vinyl. Ridiculous. I went out uh, over the weekend. Uh, we live in the great state of Texas. There's an area uh, in DFW called Bishop Arts, uh, which is, as the name would suggest, RT. Um, and there's a record store down there called uh, Spinster, which I do like. This is by no means uh, a criticism of uh, that record store or indeed any others that appear to be thriving. But all the time when you read these reports about how the music industry is dead and no one's paying for any music anymore and, and, and so on and so forth. And then I think back to, you know, there was one time when there was vinyl and then cassettes kind of came in and then CDs basically killed vinyl and they were meant to be the, uh, the higher end quality when it came to listening. Right. And then years later, vinyl made a resurgence and I guess initially it was because people liked something bigger that they could hold in their hand and no. they could it's because they like nostalgia and things that are old and being different and hipstery but go on well it's got way beyond that now when uh i and when i say a new vinyl the ones that i was looking at i mean that there's there's some used records in this store but these were the ones that weren't used but they're most of them are old albums that have been reissued because obviously buying vinyl is such a big thing now but i feel like it's gone beyond hipster wanting to appear hipster and at the price of vinyl now, we're getting into art collector territory. <laughs> right. Like it's they, getting a bit absurd. The, the, the vinyl albums, rumors by Fleetwood Mac, which apparently was reissued on vinyl last year, $35. They had an imported version of Nevermind the Bollocks by the Sex Pistols, right? $50. You, you know you can like go to YouTube and type in that album and listen for free, right? That is exactly my point. Why would you want to spend $50 just because a copy of it on vinyl had apparently been sent from the UK? And to those people who go on about the quality of vinyl, see, this is another thing. It's like if you say enough, everyone believes it. I go back to my previous point. The reason why, in theory, CDs killed vinyl was because CDs sounded much better, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Now we're at a stage where people who are, I think they use the term audiophiles. I always think when files comes at the end of it, I think like I'm saying something that's a derogatory term, right. but I believe audiophiles is fine. Let's do it. That's that's what they call themselves. The people that fully embrace vinyl and think it's the think it's the best thing ever. They'll tell you about oh no 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 the quality of the sound and the warmth and all of that kind of stuff. The two things about that. First of all, if that is ever true, it would only be true if you had invested an obscene amount of money 
in a really expensive vinyl player and speaker system, right? right? So when you're in the record store, and again, this is nothing against the record store. I love that store and I love browsing in there. I'm just making the point of like how ridiculous people have kind of bought into this vinyl notion, uh, how ridiculous that is. If you're in that record store and you're picking up your $35 version of Rumors by Fleetwood Mac <laughs> on vinyl, right? and then you're buying one of their $60 turntables that they sell in the corner with, yep. a, with attached speakers... You're not getting the enhanced warm sound that audiophiles claim you do from vinyl that you can't get from CDs. You know, if that guy who is skateboarding to dreams had like a whole like record player with him and was trying to play it off, the video wouldn't be the same. He was able to do that because our phones can just play music now. It's not difficult. It really isn't. And, and as I said, I, I, if there is an argument to be said that vinyl is superior, it's only if you've spent an obscene amount of money on a sound system. And also, you'll notice that all of these reissued albums, which I've now discovered are $35 a time, they all have been reissued on really thick vinyl because that is the better quality, right? Way, way before this, for years, decades, a lot of vinyl albums by some of the biggest bands were issued on really shitty, thin pieces of plastic that sound like crap because the vinyl should have been issued to the standard that it's being reissued now. So again, don't claim that if you're in a used record store and you're buying a uh, Leonard Skinner album from 1975 and then you take it home and play it on your little turntable that you purchased for $80 and you go... <gasps> sounds so much better than it did on CD. No, no, it doesn't, because A, you need the really expensive setup, and B, unless you're getting the really thick vinyl, which a lot of vinyl, most of it probably from the 70s and 80s wasn't, it's going to sound inferior. So I, you know, I came up through the end of the CD era, the start of the MP3 era. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, vinyl is much like CDs. Like, if it gets a little scratched, the disc is ruined, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, And yeah. they don't even have anything like... You know, the tricks they would tell you with CDs were like, you put it in the toilet and flush it and it could clear it off. Or like some places would sell you like anti-scratch things that didn't work at all. Who, who ever told you to put a CD in the toilet? You never heard that trick? Yeah, if you have a little scratch on the disc, you pop it in the toilet and flush it and that's supposed to work. It doesn't. Was that a sign in a record store that just wanted you to come back and buy a new copy after you'd flushed your CD I'd away? I actually have only done it with video games, but I'm pretty sure it would work with, with CDs as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, no, I'd never heard that, but carry on. So what's the point of having, like, we have these... Uh, uh, actual audiophile not someone who just claims to listen to things well i guess but audiophiles on a computer can't be destroyed right but 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 the audiophile would claim that they're too compressed it's a different type of sound i mean i think it is true that um if you are an but artist for 30 dollars well no 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 that's the point and uh, again 30 dollars that probably the vinyl's 30 dollars probably if these enhanced uh, Sonics are to be believed you would only get them if you're playing that $30 album on probably a $3,000 vinyl right. audio setup. You've got to have the right turntable with the right speakers with the, in the right room which again goes back to my point of like if you're doing it properly and you're seriously into it now buying vinyl reissues has become like getting art. If you drive through that area, there's like a whole bunch of construction. Now we know where all this gentrification money is coming from. It's hipsters buying records. $30, <laughs> that's absurd. It really was. And uh, and as I said, the price goes up if you want to get imports and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm all for the record stores. I love, I'm not a fan of shopping. I love going out and just browsing record stores. My idea of shopping is normally find a record store, go to M, see if there's a motorhead picture disc that i don't already own <laughs> right. see, see that i get because the picture disc is about the presentation if i was to purchase it i'm not going to buy it because i want to play the picture disc it's you know right. you're you're really into like collect collectibles and stuff right. like that so like i understand why you would go to a record store but like what i don't understand is someone who would openly choose to listen to vinyl over the extreme easiness of Looking it up on your phone and hitting play. Yeah, exactly. And you probably aren't going to notice uh, any difference. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's big money now. 
Um, it's just made up value. You know what I mean? Right. It's like baseball cards. Like right now, baseball cards or like sports cards in general are having a bit of a resurgence because for a while they had no value and then they started making less and started selling them on the internet and getting kids excited by like posting videos of them unboxing it and all of a sudden they have value again like right now there's something that's blowing up online it's called nba top shot Mm. and it's combining cryptocurrency with baseball cards and it's the most confusing thing ever but People will tell you that's the next way to make money. Wow. It's just made of value. People just set the value of what they want, say, pay this, and then idiots pay it. Now, um, before we move on to uh, other uh, pressing uh, stories of the day, while we're discussing uh, kind of vinyl-related things, uh, one of the ultimate vinyl bands from back in the day, Steely Dan. Of big, course. Big favorite of yours and I. Um, I was listening to Sirius uh, the other day, and I don't know who the presenter was. It was a female presenter on one of the classic rock channels. But she back announced a Steely Dan song, and she absolutely ruined it for me. Oh, no. And I, and I, and I just, I'm, if you're listening, Sirius, A, I am in the market for a job, and B, why are no program directors taking control of things like this? Because it's just bad brand branding, right? Yeah, this, if they this, hire you, there will be absolutely no bashing of the dam. Absolutely. Well, this, I don't think this lady was intentionally trying to bash them. It's like she didn't understand what she was saying. And I understand that's probably a lot of heritage classic rock jocks because there was so so much fun and drugs in radio back in the 70s and the (laughs) 80s. Their brains are fried. So maybe they can't be held accountable. So it wasn't like she was was criticizing them. But what she said after playing the song, I was at the traffic lights and I was just going, oh, don't, don't. Don't frame it like that. So this is what happened. I'm driving down the Central Expressway, and I'm uh, and I'm enjoying Hey Nineteen. Yeah, we don't de-. right. That's the Dan song. Yeah, and because uh, I love it whenever the Dan come on. So it's, it's a good moment, right? Agreed. This is how. So Hey Nineteen by Steely Dan finishes, and this is how the hostess on the Sirius Channel back announces it. I won't do the accent. Hey 19 by Steely Dan. Story of an older man vying for the attraction of a younger girl. And it's not going well. Oh! <laughs> could you have made that song sound any more creepy? No, that's not what the song's about. And the worst thing is, is if you listen to Hey 19 and then someone puts in your mind by back announcing it, an older man vying for the attraction of a younger girl, and it's not going well. And then you were to Google a picture of Steely Dan, it becomes even more creepy. Well, don't say that because as we've compared myself many a times to Walter Becker on this very podcast, they're beautiful men. Well, <laughs> I made a note in my phone about this 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 retort to Steely Dan. Legal but creepy. <laughs> like she's she's nineteen, but the way that the presenter framed the story, and then you visualize Walter Becker or uh, Donald Fagan, right. and you're like, ah, oh, it's you know what it was, what it was like, and it, it, nowhere near this bad, but it's within the same realms. It's like imagine I was driving down Central Expressway, right, and um. And I was enjoying Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson, okay. right? And then off the, or any other Michael Jackson song that I might have enjoyed for, for, for the pop-tastic song that it was. And then off the back of Michael Jackson, the presenter on Sirius goes, that's Michael Jackson, uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Here's a long list of pedophile accusations <laughs> that have been leveled against Michael Jackson over the years. That's, that's, a, that's another level, but you, you know what I mean? Look, they could have named the song Hey, we're rich musicians now. We want young pussy. <laughs> but they named it Hey 19. That's classy. Right. You should see now if that was the, the, the back announce of Hey 19 on Sirius, I'd be more down with that. <laughs> I, you know, I just think if you're going to be a fan of Steely Den, you have to understand that maybe the songs might come off as a little rapey, but that's not why you listen. <laughs> you listen for the jazzy beats. You listen for the the soundtrack to your cocaine fueled night. See, if I was when you work in radio, you have these things called air checks, where the the boss sits down with the the talent and they'll go through a tape of the show and critique what you said, right? And um, if I was the boss and I'd heard the uh, the lady back announcing that, I, I, I we were in an air check scenario, I'd have said, uh, "All right, 
If you want to bring up that angle, that's your right. I would have phrased it more like, Hey 19 by Steely Dan. What a great song. Lyrics in 2021 maybe sound um, a little creepy, but I'm just listening for the jazz rock. <laughs> maybe more the rock jazz. The fusion. Yacht rock, baby. Yeah, and then you get to the next song. It's perfect. <laughs> or maybe you can go, meanwhile, if you'd like to switch to the 80s on 8, another presenter will be playing Michael Jackson while reading a list of his pedophile allegations right after it. Look, we've been through a lot in 2021. Can we please not cancel Steely Dan? I don't think me or you could handle that. No, and I don't think she was intending to cancel Steely Dan. It was just, uh, you know, the way that she was framing it. I was thinking, like, we don't need to, uh, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to bring this up now. I could see the headline on some woke website steely dan legal but creepy i you know i just think there's way more things you can point at with steely dan other than the creepiness of some of their lyrics like i texted you the other day i was like hey heard a rap song with a steely dan sample in it that sent me on a two-hour deep dive of rap songs that use steely dan in them mm. it's insane kanye west you Steely Dan. De La Soul, you Steely Dan. Ice Cube, you Steely Dan. MF Doom, may he rest in peace. Use Steely Dan. If you don't get a job at Sirius by the end of this podcast, I'm going to be very shocked. This is <laughs> You've said at least five things now that legitimately would be great talk breaks out of a Steely Dan song on any number of Sirius XM channels. You'll be on Classic Vinyl. I'll probably be on Shade 45. We'll make it work. <laughs> Um, this is uh, some sad news that I did want to touch upon because we uh, pay uh, homage to uh, Spinal Tap at the beginning of, uh, of every podcast when I go, might one, might one, isn't this a lot of fun? Ian, the manager passed away over the weekend, just gone. What, did, did you kill Ian, the manager? No, well, I mean, you claim that I killed uh, Walter Becker because I went to the... Yeah, yeah, but you literally mentioned Ian the manager last week on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure Tony Hendra. Oh my Hendra, god, we did, didn't we? Yeah, you literally <laughs> killed Tony Hendra. Oh. This is no longer a theory. You kill celebrities. I forgot about that. Yeah, this isn't cool. I do have a. Oh my god, the list is getting longer. I did. <laughs> it did. It became a thing a few years ago that I, uh, uh, I, I do go to see or have some kind of uh, something resonates with me in my everyday life about an elderly celebrity and then they either die or something bad happens to them. Like I, I went to see uh, Steely Dan in Vegas, turned out to be Walter Becker's penultimate show. Um, there was one time a few years ago when I had the choice when I lived in Arizona of going to see Metallica or Neil Diamond because they were playing gigs on the same night and I chose Neil Diamond. And then about a month after that, he uh, is it the uh, ME he's got? I forget he's got he's got right. a, he's got a, a, an issue that meant he couldn't tour anymore. Um, I completely forgot about this, but you're right. I did. I don't know why I did it, but in last week's episode, I did mention we. I was talking about the fact that Spinal Tap's manager is is called Ian. Yeah. Right. I don't know why. And in that moment, you killed Ian. <laughs> Sometimes on this podcast, you say things and you speak them into existence, and it's like, ha ha, that's crazy. What a cool thing. We have cosmic powers. No, you're now killing people. You're a bad guy. Uh, well, Tony Hendra, I, I literally didn't think of it in this, uh, in that sense. So um, he was 79. He'd been uh, sick for some time. And I, so here's the thing. I know he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, I'm very familiar with his role of, from Spinal Tap because I know that movie back to front. Um, but I didn't realize until I read uh, one of the obituaries yesterday that he actually was a Brit because oh, yeah. you know, Spinal Tap are American actors doing stunningly spot-on British accents. And for some reason, I just thought that Tony Hendra was the same, but he was actually a Brit who, who moved to America. Yeah, he would be the greatest example of someone saying like, oh, English humor is all just based off of British humor because like he really did kind of help invent modern American humor. So he was brought over initially as he was the first editor of National Lampoon magazine, which basically invented, you know, frat boy humor, or dick jokes, if you will. Right. And so he did that. He also created and produced the Lemmings um, stage show, which had uh, Belushi, Chevy Chase, Gilda Radner. And that show is 
was basically what started the idea of Saturday Night Live. I did not know that. Yeah, so I know he. Um, I know he went to the same um, college in the UK as the people from Monty Python. So he, like back in the sixties. So he was around that. You know, people that are considered very groundbreaking Brits in comedy that also right. were successful well, in the states. But I didn't know that he was the. The forerunner to SNL. Yeah, well, you, you know, National Lampoon started at Harvard University. Doug Kenny, absolute genius, was the man who hired him. So I think they were like that higher intelligence. They were like, oh, well, let's take, you know, someone from the British version of this and just bring him over. But if you want to know more about Tony Hendry and all his people, there's an incredible documentary on the rise of uh, National Lampoon magazine called it's uh, it's called Drunk Stone, Brilliant or Dead. It's really good. There's also a Netflix movie called A Futile and Stupid Gesture about all that. That's really good. Check those out. Oh, okay. That is uh, that is good information. So did, is that how he became the manager of Spinal Tap? They said, we want the man who invented dick jokes. Well, I'm pretty sure that Christopher Guest was actually one of the people in the Lemming stage show. So he uh, he's kind of been around the whole crew for a while now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, Tony Hendry, you gave us uh, a lot of laughs and it wasn't your job to be as confused as Nigel R.I.P. Yeah. and we've learned how to do proper eulogies because we didn't even touch on the controversy part of his Wikipedia page there's contro- controversy yeah but I didn't get fully into oh, it okay <laughs> there's I, always controversy I just all I know about him is that uh, it wasn't his fault if Nigel didn't know the difference between feet and inches if you were if you were famous before 2014 there's guaranteed controversy. Right, yeah. <laughs> there was a running joke uh, in the UK when they were uh, basically uh, retrospectively uh, arresting uh, people that turned out to be uh, terrible sex offenders in like the his- history of British entertainment that basically a 1970s TV guide in the UK became the sex offenders register a few years ago, you know? Huh. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's do some uh, song of the week before we get into other stories. Uh, Let's round up where we were with the songs for the last seven days. Uh, New York producer chose Virtual Reality by Renz for short, uh, 24% of the vote. Jeremy's Like a Ship, Leon Bridges and Kite Young, 13% of the vote. Hey, we're rising. Yeah, you are. (laughs) That's uh, choosing something local to Texas is working for you. And uh, my choice, Black Lungs by Architects, 63% of the vote. Thank you if you uh, jumped on Song of the Week over the last few days. Uh, We have three new songs for you to choose from, which you can vote for via the poll on my Twitter or on our didyouamerica.com website and we will get to that in part two. All right, let's do part two of Did You America season two episode. I forgot to count. Uh, Let's do the new songs of the week. If you want to vote, go to didyouamerica.com slash song or head to my Twitter where there is a poll. I am at Ian Camfield on Twitter. Uh, My choice this week, the new one by St. Vincent, which is called Pay Your Way in Pain. Okay. I went with Silk Sonic, Leave the Door Open. That's uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock's new band. This is the first song they've put out. It's pretty good. And uh, New York producer going for Spinning by No Rome, Charlie, XCX, and The 1975. They are your choices. Pay Your Way in Pain by St. Vincent. Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. Or Spinning by No Rome, Charlie, XCX, and The 1975. Didyouamerica.com slash song if you want to vote on the website or go to the poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield. And don't forget, if you're uh, clicking around on our website, you can check out old episodes of this podcast and uh, also uh, send us a message. It doesn't just have to be for uh, voting on uh, Song of the Week. You can uh, send us a message relating to uh, anything you like. Maybe speculating on who is the racist in the royal family. Oh, no. It's the new game show. <laughs> bop, 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 bop. So uh, I, I didn't want to do a load on the royals today because I feel like we, we we managed to cover it, I think, quite well before even the interview with Oprah was aired. Um, right. And, you know, I was of the opinion that I'm really critical of, uh, of both sides. Um, but um, the, the, the big issue now... Is that everyone wants to know uh, who's the uh, who's the racist in the royal organization? The is ra- it not all of them? <laughs> well, to be fair, if you were to Google this, um, 
uh, I keep on forgetting his name. Who's the guy who's been in hospital? The one that's married to the Queen? Prince Philip, Philip. right? Yeah. There are, Prince Philip has a litany of racist comments that he's made <laughs> over the years on camera. I mean... Th- he's they, an older fella. W- well, yes, there, there is that. And that's kind of the excuse that, uh, you know, that, that, that people give him. Um, but there are, uh, you know, he's uh, definitely said uh, many, many things that were uh, outdated by several decades right. at, which, at whichever point he was saying them. Um, although... On the um, on the uh, the big interview with uh, Oprah, they did point out that uh, it wasn't uh, Queen Elizabeth or Prince Philip uh, that said this. So the, the the issue is is that someone in the royal organisation um, raised concerns that the uh, the baby that uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were going to have was going to be too black, right? And the thing that that everyone is uh, now discussing is the fact that they they threw that out there. And they sort of said, okay, here come the clues. We refuse to say who the racist is, but it's definitely not these two people. <laughs> so, and, and, I, and whatever you think of the interview, whether you side with uh, Meghan or Harry or you side with the royals or like me, you're of the opinion that both sides can be criticized because I think Meghan knows to some extent what she's doing and how she's exploiting the royals, but also the royals are such a dysfunctional, screwed up family. They, they you know, to, to some extent, they, they deserve some of what's going on it is a little bit disingenuous to throw out that allegation refuse to say who the racist is but to definitely protect two people i mean what right. you know it's i mean that, that seems like a little bit of a premeditated way to get even more publicity my money is on the royal court jester they still have those right <laughs> I, I, he does a bit racy humor i uh I, you know the person who's winning more than anyone out of this is prince andrew <laughs> of he, he must be looking at all of the press reports and thinking oh Oh my, it's almost like I never got on the Lolita plane (laughs) express down to pedophile island. And he's thinking, oh, okay, well, this is great for me because now everyone's obsessed with who's the racist rather than did I sleep with an underage girl? Maybe he's been staging all of this, like the perfect like reality show producer. He's like in Megan's ear, like, oh my God, did you hear what Elizabeth said about you? That bitch. And then he goes to Elizabeth. He's like, that Megan, she's just out of line. She's doing craziness, just causing all this drama, getting all the attention off of him. So um, the queen responded uh, about an hour before we recorded uh, this podcast. Because, um, as I said before, uh, the the royal family now has become like the old TV show Dallas, which was just about warring factions within a family, right? right? With the constant, he said, she said, you did this. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You know, you don't have to explain it. We're in Dallas. We're living it every day. I'm just giving the people who don't know the the old Dallas TV show uh, some context. So. After, you know, a a pretty explosive interview with lots of very strong, concerning allegations from uh, Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry, and I guess, uh, you know, front and center are the accusations of racism and also her claims about her mental health, which she claims the, uh, the, the palace basically said... Well, just keep quiet about that because because royals, they're not meant to have mental health issues. You just go to sleep. It'll go away. Again, she had to see this coming. I mean, the whole family tradition of brushing under the rug has been around for like a hundred years at this point. Yeah, there is there is an aspect of like, you know, you, you could have, uh, you know, you could have researched what you were getting involved with. That, that actually raises a good point because... Do you not think that there's a little bit of responsibility here with Harry, especially considering what happened to his mum, whereby, you know, him falling in love with Meghan Markle is all well and good, but do, do you not think at some point, and maybe he did, I guess we, we, we won't know, but at some point Harry should have gone, by the way, Meghan, you need to know, this family's so fucked up. <laughs> Apparently, no one introduced him to Disney as a kid. He should know. You're supposed to spend the first half of the movie pretending you're not really a prince. Then when she finds out, she gets upset, but you do a big gesture to win her back in the end, and then she becomes a princess. That also speaks to the point that I keep making to Americans who are still obsessed with the royal family. Because again, I say, although I, I think to some extent Megan knows the PR 
uh, that she's getting from this and using it to her own ends. The family are also so messed up. They kind of de- they kind of deserve some of the exploitation they're getting at the moment. Um, but for all of the Americans who I think still way more than British people are obsessed with the idea that the royal family is just this this great thing, they're not. A lot of what Meghan is saying is proving that. Uh, more to the point, a lot of what different members of the royal family have done over the last few decades absolutely proves that. And the idea that, oh, but we haven't got a royal family, we've only got Disney and it's real life Disney, you're better off with Disney. Right. No one in Frozen ever hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) First of all, Americans need to realize we do have a royal family. They're called the Kardashians. Right, okay. But sadly, they are leaving television. But I have good news. I think I have found America's next queen. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could say, I mean, people were talking about the fact that... um, the uh, the ratings for the uh, the big Oprah interview were uh, that they were higher than basically any uh, award ceremony ratings from the last few years combined. Right? Yeah. Meghan Markle just got her best ratings ever. No, <laughs> no one ever watched Suits this much. Right. She never had such good ratings when she was an actress on Suits, but now she's playing the disgruntled princess through the roof. We usually put all of our votes behind ratings and ratings only. <laughs> right. So anyway, here's the Queen's response. So, as I said, uh, the Meghan Markle and the Harry interview, lots of uh, lots of explosive content and, uh, you know, genuinely some calls for concern for uh, a great deal of what uh, Meghan was saying. And um, so everyone was saying, well, the royal family are getting together. They're probably going to do their own interview. They're going to have their basically their own show to counterbalance everything that was in the Oprah show. But no, because the royal family prefer to issue statements clearly written by someone else. Right. So in today's statement from the Queen, written by someone else, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Which basically means we're not going to say anything more on this and we're just going to hope that it's all going to go away. You know it wasn't... They should have said, P.S., good luck with your podcast. <laughs> you know it wasn't written by the Queen because if it was, it literally would have just said, that bitch, dot, dot, dot. Well, again, this is another thing about the absurdity of the royal family. Every year in the United Kingdom on Christmas Day, the Queen makes a speech. It happens at 3 p.m. December 25th, the Queen's speech on Christmas Day, right? And she's been doing it, you know, since she was Queen for several decades now. Um, It's 10 minutes on very other rare occasions. She might actually do some some sort of uh, national address, but generally it's just once a year, right? Okay. 10 minutes, and the royalists in the UK lap it up. It's To some people, it's more important than anything related to the holidays themselves. She's never written one word of that speech. <laughs> Again, it's I used to watch it with my, uh, my nan and granddad when they were alive because we'd always be together for the holidays. And my nan, as we discussed, quite a royalist. She had the uh, Charles and Diana right. wedding uh, tea set. So she'd always want to see what the Queen had to say. And then my granddad's commentary to it would be, you know she don't write this herself. You know, she's she, she, she got no thoughts in her head. She don't write this. And, he, and I would say, yeah, granddad, you told me last Christmas and the Christmas before and, and the Christmas before right. that. But again... Ah, uh, the Camfield family tradition of crushing dreams. <laughs> it, I, I, as I said, I, I, you can quite legitimately criticize both sides here because just that, and again, just the statement that I've just read you from the Queen about... Uh, the, the the Oprah interview, that is the most vacuous, non-committal right. piece of shit, basically, of like, okay, we need to say something, so we're going to say nothing. And that's the function of the royal family. Well, you know, that was her official statement. She also had all the, like, 30 headlines she fed to the New York Post about, like, how terrible Meghan actually is. She got all <laughs> of that side out of her, you know, the day before. Now comes the... 
the for the people message. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, I, it's uh, it, uh, Megan certainly got her uh, best rating so far. I, I'll be astounded if she doesn't get to play herself in the Meghan Markle season of The Crown. <laughs> you know, she's uh, that's she, what she's pulling for. Well, I mean, the th- here's the thing: she was always going to play second fiddle to. Um, uh, William and his wife, just because of the way the hierarchy right. of, the, of the royal family is structured, and and th- you know, there's something to be said for that that side of the interview. You know, the racism allegations and the mental health allegations, I I, I get it, but when you get into basically airing um, the tit for tat, dirty laundry in your family, they're not the, the first family that where you know sister-in-laws and such like are going to be arguing over who has what dress on the wedding day and who's going to get the you know you know the the, the most amount of attention just wait for part two of the oprah interview where megan's like you know what elizabeth she went to an antebellum party (laughs) (laughs) that was well here's another thing so not only is prince andrew going thank God, it's like I never went to Pedophile Island. Um, who's the guy that got in trouble for the... What's the... T- now, I've never watched this show, so you need to fill in the blanks oh, the for Bachelor. me. Oh, The Bachelor. Right, so the guy... No, that's the... So the guy who hosted The Bachelor... Chris Harrison. ...defended one of the contestants for going to an uh, antebellum party. Right, so I'm... A- am I going to sound terribly racist mm. if I say I, d- I didn't know what one of those was until this became a story? I don't think anyone did. I don't think anyone knew the word antebellum that wasn't a fan of the country band. Right, because I remember when we got into the what seemed like the first or second wave of Everything's Cancelled. Right. Um, Lady Antebellum, as they were called, decided that they were going to drop the Antebellum because the... the well, what are the racist connotations of Antebellum? I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. I, I get that. So, so uh, I, they changed it and everyone applauded that. So there, there must be some sort of... Uh, Back in America's history, right. racist connotations to do with, with plantations. Okay, with the slave trade. Okay, right. so that makes sense. So I didn't know, uh, as I said, the antebellum I was only familiar with because of the band. Um, I didn't know. What, so what would be a party then? Okay, so here's the thing. I've tried to get information on this. I even went ahead and watched The Bachelor last night. Now, we've gone through this before. I'm a huge fan of trashy reality right, TV. Right. For some reason, The Bachelor, I've just never been able to get into. Now, I started hearing all this stuff about like, all right, they have the Black Bachelor now, and it's, they're finally being woke, and you know they're, they're doing the right thing. They've had all these beautiful white people. It's about time they open the doors racially. Right. And then they have the most controversial racial season ever. So right off the bat, I'm like, all right, let me check this out. So in the interview that I guess got Chris Harrison canceled, he mentions at one point like, Oh, it was back in 2018. This girl who's a contestant, a white contestant, she went to an antebellum party. Back then, millions of us went to antebellum parties. I've never been to an antebellum party. No. No. Though, I will say this. Now, take the racial factor out of it. This girl is still a contestant in the show, and she crazy, and she needs to win this show because... In the 20 minutes I was able to watch before giving up on this series, I was blown away by, I think her name's Rachel. Right. She, the guy, the the bachelor, James, he was on a date with another girl. And she's bawling her eyes out. Like, she can't believe he's spending time with another girl, completely forgetting that she's on a dating reality show and met this guy three weeks ago. But she's now professing her love intensely within the first 20 minutes of the episode. Right. It's intense. This girl is nuts. Not only does she go to antebellum parties and is clearly a racist. (laughs) Just kidding. We don't know that. (laughs) But she she's making it. I think she needs to be the queen of America, essentially. For someone who said you've never watched The Bachelor before, you've just given me a very, very thorough account of what's been going on. I was very, again, this was not a lot of time spent, but I was very intrigued by the fact that, like, they're so clearly fallen for this guy. But, like, you know, of course, it's for the reality TV aspect. My pitch to the people of The Bachelor series, clearly the Black Bachelor thing didn't work out. 
I suggest next year I become the first fat, ugly bachelor. I think that is going to solve all their issues. I mean, these girls can't fawn over me. So they'll naturally, you know, be normal people and not come off as crazy and racist and do dumb things that put the show in jeopardy of getting kicked off the air. Right. How did we get onto this? Oh, because Chris, what's his name? Harrison. He's going, thank God for the Queen. Exactly. And all the scandals moved over there. Well, I just think that if, you know, if Americans are going to love the racist royal family, they might as well just also love the racist bachelorette. Yeah, yeah. What, how are, um, what are they, so Lady Antebellum are now just called uh, uh, Lady? Lady A, I think. Oh. Yes. I thought they just dropped the Antebellum and who They're did- just Lady now. No, because that wouldn't be woke enough. What about men? What about their lady and that they've decided that they need an entire image change and therefore they now only play Sticks songs? <laughs> Sticks did lady, right? They're now a Sticks cover band because no one knew any Lady Antebellum songs before this. Right, exactly. They do that thing where they come on stage and, uh, and they go, uh, hey, we're now Lady. We hope you like our new direction. And they play Come Sail Away by Sticks and right. then just go into a whole Sticks set. Next song, it's you. <laughs> yeah, now because I don't. To be honest, as I said, I didn't. I didn't know the connotations of antebellum. Um, I definitely had heard some lady antebellum songs, and I wasn't interested. But um, you know, if being more woke means that you're going to the shows now, they're just called lady and only playing stick songs. I could be into that. Somewhere, the guy in Mumford and Sons is like, "Can we get another name change?" <laughs> Yeah. Um, talk to me about Dak Prescott. Oh, he signed a big deal. The Cowboys are saved forever. Is that true? Uh, not really. We're probably still screwed. But he's we the, got our quarterback, and that's the most important position. He's the second uh, second highest paid best deal in yeah. football. NFL contracts are so confusing. I guess he has the most guaranteed money of all time, and like he has the highest value of contract at the time of signing. For some reason, one of the tweets by like the big ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, he said, even though it's a four-year deal, it's actually a six-year deal, but two of those years are voided. I don't know. There's so much confusion. All I know is for the next four years and for about $40 million a year, the Cowboys have their guy. Yeah. Now, are Cowboys fans happy? Oh, that's a good question. The I, as a Cowboys fan, am thrilled. And based off of the perception of what happened this season when Dak Prescott was injured, I figured a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans would be thrilled along with me. But if you go on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all forms of social media, you will find countless Cowboys fans who are now claiming to be fans of other teams because the Cowboys signed Dak Prescott to really? a deal. Yeah, I don't get it. Cowboys fans are so... They can't make up their mind. They're, one day they're blaming Jerry Jones. The next day they're saying Jerry Jones is the greatest GM of all time. One day they're saying we have the best running back, the best offensive line. The next day they're saying we have to completely start over. One day they're saying we have the best quarterback. We need to give him all the money in the world. And then the next day they're saying, why would we give him that much money? Right. Is it true that uh, if Jerry Jones had uh, given into uh, Dak's demands on the previous season and given him a contract back then, in the long run, he would have saved himself quite a bit of money? Well, yeah, because in the end, he gave in 100% to what Dak Prescott wanted the year before. He got less years total. The Cowboys wanted to give him a five-year deal. Dak Prescott wanted four. The contract he signed, four. Dak Prescott wanted the most guaranteed money. What did he get? The most guaranteed money. He also got protection. There's a no trade clause in the deal. There's a no tag clause in the deal. So now the Cowboys essentially gave him exactly what he wanted. And instead of having the deal start last year, it they had to pay the franchise tag, which was like an as- astonishing amount of money for one season. Mm. And you know, d- almost lost him in the meantime. Is this why Jerry Jones was seen uh, recently buying a really cheap bottle of wine from a Texas gas station. <laughs> like, Dak Prescott is costing him so much money. Right. He can only afford to get, you know, like a $6 bottle of wine from, uh, you know, the, the, the next to the gas pump. Right, it was either the Dak Prescott deal or that third mega yacht. One or the other. <laughs> One other thing on the, the Cowboys, though. For as, uh, um, as inconclusive as the fans are on what's good or bad, 
could you put forward an argument that Jerry Jones is the greatest GM? Because Cowboys have, uh, it's, got, it's been so long since they've won a Super Bowl, and yet they're still, they're the most profitable team in, in NFL, not, right? Not uh, from, the, from a business point of view. Not the best GM. And this is, you know, way too insider stuff. But really, GM, Jerry Jones is the GM by title and title only. At this point, he's really not doing the main uh, team building other than signing off on what his team tells him the Cowboys should do. He, do, he doesn't strike me as a man who'd be good at like the uh, the overall idea of team building. Right. <laughs> right. It seems to like drive a wedge between everyone he gets involved with. He might need to go on one of those like days where uh, people get lo- lo- locked in a safe room or whatever they call it and have, yeah. to, have, to, do, <laughs> have to do a team building exercise to, to figure out, their right. way out. Right. He might need that. He, he So he's probably not the best GM but he is one of the best owners because in the end the cowboys are always relevant the cowboys are always the most popular team and there's always a chance we're gonna get our guy because of the value of the team is gonna make him feel he he can he can take risks Mm -hmm. essentially yeah 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 um before we go i do want to quickly talk about uh a video which went viral this week it was a brawl in uh, bath and body works now um I uh, I love Bath and Body Works. One of the uh, one of my favorite chains in the great country of America. I'm uh, uh, an avid collector of their uh, scented candles. And I will say this: uh, occasionally, and not always, but occasionally, I uh, decide that I want to support some uh, local business. I might find a, a store that's selling scented candles. And uh, they're always more expensive than they are in Bath and Body Works. But I think, no, you know, they're bespoke and they're local and I'm going to put my money behind some local business. Every time, well, not every time, but like 75% of the time I've done that, those candles lose their scent way before the Bath and Body Works candles do. Bath and Body Works are the candles equivalent of Starbucks. Wherever you find one, you know what you're going to get. And there's consistency. See, I would have figured that was more Bed Bath & Beyond and Bath and Body Works were like, we can't compete. We don't have Beyond. <laughs> no, well, Bed Bath and Beyond is, you know, you can get loads more d- different household beyond. goods. Beyond. Right, yeah. They go beyond smells. Bath and Body Works is like, you either get the tub or the body or get the hell out. So I always loved uh, Bath and Body Works. And uh, because of my, uh, you know, my, my uh, it's almost a hobby of uh, collecting scented candles. Uh, a couple of friends sent me this viral video this week of, uh, of a brawl between a couple of ladies that was going on in a Bath and Body Works store. It actually took a couple of days after I'd initially seen the video for me to realize that not only was it uh, two women fighting in Bath and Body Works, they were actually fighting in what used to be my local Bath and Body Works store. It was happening <laughs> at the Fashion Square Mall in Scottsdale because I, I used to live in uh, in Phoenix in Arizona. Out of, and I've bought a lot of Bath and Body Works candles since I've been living in America on this run for uh, nearly five years now. I've bought more scented candles from that specific store than any other Bath and Body Works. And there's these two women like going at it like uh, professional wrestlers on the <laughs> ground because I'm guessing what one was trying to get the last Bergamot Walters scent and the other one <laughs> thought that she was going for it at the same time. And they basically had what Brits would call a massive ruck. Whenever you realize that you had been to that store, did you like immediately check the date on the security camera footage? Like, oh no, they're going to see me fighting a woman over a candle here. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, was one of the people who sent me the video was a, a, a good friend of mine who lived lives in Phoenix. And I didn't realize, as I said, when she sent it, that she predominantly sent it because it the the fight happened in the store that uh, she and I would both go to. She still goes there because um, because she still lives in Phoenix. So I, I sent an initial reply going, ha ha ha, probably fighting over the last Bergamot Walters scented <laughs> candle. And then I, I a good re- joke's a good joke. Good, good joke's a good joke. And then I rewatched it um, about three days later with extra context and went oh that's in my bath and body works start store so i replied to my friend and i go um i didn't realize it was in the bath and body works store in scottsdale and my friend replied darling this is our future 
She was like, no, I'm giving you a warning. They know about your fight. Run. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm about to be cancelled. Right. Because I got into a massive fight with a woman over the last Ber- Bergamot Waters candle. In, I'm just going to keep doing that joke. The I last like, Bergamot Waters candle in Bath and Body Works. I feel like you've probably wanted to choke a bitch a time or two over a candle. Yeah. <laughs> No. 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 No, of course not. No. Um, well, no. You wanted to. You didn't do it. You just wanted to. What I would say is they were get because I looked at the, it happened over the weekend, right? And over the because the the, the the key to bulk buying at Bath and Body Works is going when the best deals are on the candles, right? Because their regular price is about twenty five dollars per candle, but you hardly ever need to pay that because every other weekend there's some sort of sale on, right? Last weekend when these two ladies were going at it. That was a $15 candle day. Wow. Imagine what these ladies would be doing if they went in on the one day of the year that's known as candle day when they are $8. That's when brawls happen. That's when you get like the Thanksgiving, the Black Friday, like people getting trampled. Well, that is when it normally happens because I remember my, my friend who I mentioned who lives in, the, in, in Arizona – we were because they they always candle day. It's only one day a year when they're about eight or nine dollars. The the biggest saving that you can get, um, and it, the date changes, but it's always around Thanksgiving, and it could be slightly before or slightly after. It's not always on a weekend. You don't know, right? right? Like we were planning for, I don't know, robbing a bank. <laughs> I was texting back and forth with my friend Sam, going. Okay, it could be today. Stand by, like, and 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 because when they get they get you get the email and then it starts the next day and people just go to Bath and Body Works on mass because it's Candle Day, right? And literally, like we were doing a bank job or maybe cops trying to stop a bank job from happening. I remember sending her a text message when I got the actual confirmation, going, "Now, it's starting now. Go, 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 go." <laughs> next year, you're gonna roll up with like boxing gloves. But my point being, this was. Um, you know, uh, November, it was sometime around Thanksgiving last year, still when everywhere had all of their pandemic restrictions, right? right? So they had to have very limited capacity in the Bath and Body Works. So no, Jeremy, at no point did I want to fight a woman in the store for the last Bergamot Walters candle. But I will say this, they had us lined up. They actually had security out the front of the store to keep an orderly uh, line of people waiting to go in because of the limited capacity. And they were they were very efficient with it. There was someone doing security and someone handing out the the the, the carrier bags that you get that you can put your um, candles in. It was a bit like being in a line waiting to get into the VIP area of a very exclusive club. But I will tell you this, when I got near the front of that line so I could see into the store, but I wasn't actually allowed in the store, I started to sweat like Prince Andrew does or doesn't. I can't I can't remember what he claimed to get out of the, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein allegations. Right. But I'm there like clutching the carrier bag they've given me. Sweat dripping down and I'm like going that fucking bitch. She's, she's hot, like someone who's actually in there. And I can't, I'm like, she's hot. I only see one bergamot walkers candle and she's hovering too close to the, <laughs> but I controlled myself. Anyway, candle day, wait till they're eight or $9 and then see what kind of viral videos you can get from Bath and Body Works. Then you should teach that to the vinyl shop you went to. Yeah, I know. I'm sure with record store day now, they're like, okay, now the vinyl's $50. Why? Because it's record store day. Just call it candle day. (laughs) Same thing. All right. I think we did America today. If you want to get involved with the show, uh, you can contact us, didyouamerica.com. If you want to vote for Song of the Week, you can do that via the website, uh, or you can go to the poll, which is on my Twitter. I am at Ian Camfield on Twitter. If you're on the website, by the way, you can also buy a t-shirt uh how lovely are the t-shirts jeremy oh they feel so good on your nipples